You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this morning, we're going to continue our series in the Beatitudes. And when we talk about the Beatitudes, we are three down. We've got five to go, including today. We've been studying the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, and looking at these Beatitudes as we kind of roll now into the fall. And we've called the series The Pursuit of Happy, The Pursuit of Happiness. And as we look at each of these Beatitudes, each of them start with the word blessed. Blessed is, or blessed are, and uh, that word blessed there, as we've uh, kind of uh, broke that down over the last several weeks, and we said that it means to be happy, or to be satisfied, or to be lucky even, you could use that word, or to be joyful. And I wanted to start this morning, though, as we roll out today's beatitude by talking about something that is less than happy, a, a situation that I'm sure all of us have experienced. In fact, let me just take a little quick survey. How many of you here have ever had food poisoning? Just raise your hand, all right? All right, leave your hand up. And then if you haven't had food poisoning, uh, if Join us with raising your hand if you have had the flu as well, or in addition, or even just the flu. And if you've never had the flu or food poisoning, um, you are blessed. But uh, but uh, I, I just want you to know that when when you know when we think about having the flu or having food poisoning, it's not one of those things that make you very happy. In fact, I'll just be the first to admit. Jessica will be here second service. She will uh, confirm this that I am not a good patient when I'm sick. I'm kind of a big baby, is what Jessica says. Uh, she's like, you're, you know, when you're sick, you're miserable. Just go to bed, you know, get get healed up. But uh, I'm not a lot of fun to be around, and it's not very joyful. I'm not real happy, and I'm like, man, I hate getting sick. And and I'm always drinking, you know, 128 ounces of water a day to avoid getting sick. And for the most part, God, you know, God has helped me with that. But even worse, and for me being sick is when my kids have been sick. When Jessica's out of town, that is. <laughs> That's the truth. And I thought, let me just share two quick stories. First of all, when Reagan, my daughter, she's in college now, if you don't know her. One time, Jessica came home to, we were living in Dayton, Ohio. She came home to Kalamazoo, Michigan, where her parents were living. And for some reason, she left Reagan with me. It was around the Easter holiday, and a friend of mine at his church, he was throwing an Easter egg hunt, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to take Reagan to the Easter egg hunt. And Reagan there got sick and literally puked all over me. And I was, like, paralyzed. I really didn't know what to do. I seriously, I was sitting there, and I know I, I, my hat goes off to single parents. I get, I mean, I, I, I've not been a single parent, but in that moment, I felt like if Jessica ever died, I'm getting married immediately. <laughs> I think I might have said that to Jessica, and I didn't say who I was going to get married to, but I said I would get married immediately. And, and it was just one of those moments. I was, I was, like, frozen and didn't know what to do. 
a few years later, well, just actually a couple years ago, Logan and I, we were in Russia another time. So Reagan, she got the flu, but Logan in Russia, we were staying in a little Airbnb in the Northern Caucasus region uh, in the mountains, and we were, uh, we were there, and we, Logan got food poisoning, and it just hit him hard. And uh, if you can imagine, the worst food poisoning ever, uh, that was the case. And, uh, and I'll just say, again, I'm there with him. I'm his dad, and I hate to admit this, but there was a 23-year-old MA, missionary associate, that was working with the team that we were with. His name was Milo. He was an outdoor junkie and loved to snow ski and rock climb. And, and anyway, anyway, this kid was cool. He was taking better care of Logan than I was. I was like two rooms over saying, how you doing there, Logan? <laughs> yeah, make sure you wash your hands. And, uh, and Mila was there holding Logan's hair back, and uh, it, was, it was really, really bad. I'm a sympathetic puker. I don't like being sick. And uh, you're saying, why in the world are you talking about sickness, right? The point here is that our bodies naturally work to get the nasty out, right? To get the food poisoning out or to get that disease, whatever that food po- or the, the flu, to get it out, right? There's, the, there's a natural part of our bodies that gets it out. Everyone say, get it out. That's right. Emptiness in that moment feels good. How many have ever puked and you're like, huh, I feel better, right? You've been there, I know. And then after there's this emptiness, the important thing next is to hydrate. And so you're drinking Gatorade and Sprite and those types of things, right? And then eventually, you'll see where I'm going here, eventually you start to feel hungry again. How many know what I'm talking about? The hunger pains start to come back, and hunger is actually a sign of health. Now track with me. Hunger is a sign of health, and we're studying the Beatitudes, and let's not forget how the Beatitudes start. It says that we're to be poor in spirit, right? To have poverty of spirit, to recognize that we are nothing without Jesus. That we are to mourn, right? Blessed are those who mourn, and we mourn over our lostness. That we, without Christ, we're nothing, right? So we're mourning over our sin. The first goal in the Beatitudes is to get rid of the sin. Everyone say, get it out. out. We're getting it out. The infection of the world, right? The sin, the rebellion. These things need to be purged out of our lives, all of our lives. Emptiness, though, is where we start our journey. And the fourth beatitude, as we roll out today's beatitude, things take a turn. The first three beatitudes really talk about our need. And out of our need comes a deep longing for what we don't have. A hunger for good food, so to speak. A longing for righteousness. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, if you're not already there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, say it with me, righteousness, for they will be filled. Father, I pray that in the next few moments as we talk about our hunger, and our thirst, that you would just fill this place with your power, continue to 
be here with your presence. Challenge us. Lord, strengthen us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about hunger and thirst. From a natural standpoint, hunger is an important thing. It, and it often can be very intense. When you get hungry, how, how many of you ever get angry? You're like, oh, I'm so hungry, I get angry, right? And there are times you would almost do anything for a bite to eat, for some food. And it, we know the story of Jacob and Esau. A birthright was sold for a bowl of stew. And you think how ridiculous that is. But I've been there. I've been there where I've been so hungry. I'd give my last, you know, $100 for, for a, uh, maybe a Snickers bar or something something like that. And hunger, it does some crazy things to us. It creates some motives and it produces energy and it drives us to action, especially if you've ever lived with a wife that was pregnant or maybe you've been pregnant, hunger pains in those cases. There are some powerful urges. Am I right? Ladies, am I right? You're thinking, you're not with me. It's okay. All right. It, it, one commentator talked about hunger. It had three components, that it was a sign of life, that it was a sign of our need, and it, there was a sign of health. And I, I was thinking about that. You talk about uh, hunger and thirst as a sign of life. You know, a baby comes out of the womb, right, and they're hungry, right? And they're, they're looking. They've got that sucking reflex that's just automatic, and they, they need some food. A sign of need, when we think of that, it's our body is telling us that we need something, hunger or thirst. And again, that hunger is a sign of health, uh, the importance of that. A healthy appetite is important. When you lose your appetite, something is wrong. And, uh, and, and that's just the case. Now, is this the type of hunger and thirst that Jesus is talking about? The answer is no. You know that. It's not the natural instincts to, you know, hunger and thirst for meatballs, even if it was Kyle's dad making those. And uh, Kyle's dad was home uh, or here in Michigan a couple weeks ago, made these meatballs, and they shared. Those were incredible. But it's not that kind of hunger and thirst. It's not a hunger and thirst for Mancino's Pizza, the deep dish, Detroit with the marinara sauce. That's not that kind of hunger. My parents were just in town. They took us out, and they, they said, get whatever you want. So I got a steak, and uh, it's not that kind of hunger and thirst for a ribeye steak, or it's not hunger and thirst for even ice cream. Maybe it is <laughs> ice cream. I'm wondering, is it a problem if you eat ice cream every single day of the summer? It's not. Okay, good, good. Good. It is a problem. Let's take a quick poll. No. Every day this summer has been my goal to eat ice cream. Mm. And I'm doing good. <laughs> I've got two more days, today, tomorrow, and then I'm done. But that's not the kind of hunger. You think of the things that we pursue in life other than hunger, actual food, right? Things that are ho we hope will lead to happiness, Right? Other things we hunger for or long for, we hunger for good friends, right? Or our, a good career or success. Or some of you are hunger for a good education. Or, or some of you are really concerned about your fitness or maybe your popularity going back to school, some of the, the students. And even others will, will hunger and thirst for a form of religion, like, like doing the right things. And none of those things is what Jesus is talking about. 
In John chapter 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And in that verse, we get a hint of what kind of hunger we should be hungering after. It's a spiritual hunger. And it says that we're blessed if we hunger and thirst spiritually. And what is it we're hungering for? Righteousness. And the definition of righteousness technically is being a state of righteous. When you take the word righteous, the, the dictionary says that it's absolute, complete correctness, perfection in every area. That would include our thoughts and our actions and our will and our desires, our attitudes. And let me just say, there is no one righteous. According to Romans chapter 3, verse 10, it says there's no one righteous, not even one. And that's an Old Testament reference to some verses from Psalms and from Ecclesiastes. And when you really look at the historical context of that verse and that there's no one righteous, it actually was a different way of thinking from what, uh, from what the Old Testament readers may have understood. In fact, a little later in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it says this, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Let me pause here for a moment. In the Old Testament system, there were hundreds of laws that the, the Jews were trying to live by. They would just check them off the list, and not just 10 or 15 or 30 or even 100. We're talking 300 or more laws that were, were and, and out of that, the Jews felt like they were justified, that they had a sense of righteousness. The Pharisees, they thought if they followed the law, get this, they would be rewarded. If they did what was right, they According to the law, they would be rewarded. And if they didn't follow the law, they would be punished. And there's, there's circumstances in Scripture that you can kind of see that pattern. But what's very interesting is that we are not all that different in our thinking. Most of us here think and would probably raise your hand if I asked you, saying, hey, if you obey God's laws, if you lived according to Scripture, let me just say it like that, that you will be rewarded, that there is a sense that God, he takes care of those that are following his rules. And don't raise your hand. But then if, on the flip side, you're saying, but if I disobey, if I break the law, if I don't live according to God's word, I will be punished. That idea that if we obey, we'll be rewarded. If we disobey, we'll be punished. That is what Jesus is overturning, that mindset, that theology with this beatitude. It's bad theology. Because actually, God is for those who know that they don't have a prayer on their own. It's nothing any of us can do to be righteous. The Pharisees thought righteousness was linked to right behavior, but that's not the case. What I want to share with you today is that righteousness here means right standing with God. For the Pharisees, everything was about uh, this, you know, this pronouncement, everything was wrong about what Jesus was saying. 
And when you think about what they lack and what we lack is not food or water or doing what's right. What they lacked was a lack of God's righteousness. And what we understand according to Scripture is that our righteousness is like filthy rags. I was telling this to my mom this week before she had, they headed back to Florida. We can pray for them. They're like right in the eye of the, where the storm's coming. But they wanted to go back. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, but anyway, my mom, I was telling her about this. And, and she said, man, you think of the worst cleanup job, whatever it is as a mom. You don't even want to touch those rags right? In our righteousness, the best you can do on the best day of your life, when everything seems to be clicking, that your righteousness is like filthy rags. Put your mind around that. You don't even want to touch it on your best day. The day you got your anger under control, the day you got your eyes under control, you got your money under control, your actions, your, your attitude, we miss the mark even on our best day. And what Jesus is saying is those who will pursue happiness and find it are those who have nothing to show for themselves except their need. This is huge. Our need. Let's talk about that. God is for those who know they don't have a prayer Simple put, let's put it on the screen. God is holy, we are not holy. God is holy, we are not. We are not and will never be holy based on our own effort. That is the truth. Our present need for most of us is higher than we think. You say, why is it important for us to understand this? It's because our enemy is so sneaky. How many of you were brought up in the church? Just let me see a show of hands. Okay, there's several of us here, probably half or more. And I don't know what your upbringing was like, but for me, my upbringing was a lot about right behavior. It was about doing the right things. I don't know if you're from the era, and this is really kind of predates me, but some of it was we got trickled into our family as well. We, it was really important what movies we could see and what movies we didn't see. How many remember those days? Card playing, right? My, this wasn't an issue with us, but the previous generation, uh, it was. They didn't even like my grandparents. They didn't even play cards because they didn't want to be doing something that was wrong. Mixed bathing, you're like, what is that? <laughs> Swimming with the opposite sex, it used to be an issue. In fact, I remember the first time I went to camp, they didn't let the boys swim with the girls, and they said, no mixed bathing here. And I, I remember like thinking, because we had a pool at our house, and I was thinking, have we done something wrong? You know, should we take turns? I, I don't know. <laughs> right acting. I don't know, what was your upbringing like in the church? Was it all about the rules? We didn't have a TV in our house until I was like eight or nine years old. It was a big deal how long guys' hair could get. There were just a lot of rules, remember? And in the church, even today, they might be different rules, but we are still, in many cases, concerned about right acting, cleaning up your act. You get saved, and it's like, well, you better watch your language, or you better stop drinking so much, or those bad habits, you got to do away with those things. It's all about right behavior. And let me just say, when you're concerned about the right behavior, and that's the focus, it is a trap. 
our right acting eventually will lead to condemnation. It's just the truth. Because we can't be righteous on our own. And I know i got to be careful here because we're not saying just go live however you want. I get that. But if you're so concerned with the right rules and you're just checking off a list, at some point you and I would fail. And that would lead to guilt. And then there's shame. And it's huge in the body of Christ. There's, there's people that walk around feeling bad about their sin. Remember, on your best day, even when you're making all the right choices, your rightness is like filthy rags to Jesus. What we really need is right standing, righteousness, and it's totally based on the perfection of Jesus. Righteousness really equals Jesus Christ. And we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we are to hunger and thirst for Jesus. And the sad thing is, and I know this is going to hurt, most of us don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, for Jesus. You say, how could you say that? Well, there are several that might be here this morning that you're here only because your marriage is in trouble. Or because your kids are in trouble. Or you show up to church because you're sick or because something has happened or maybe the law has caught up with you. Church, there's a lack of desperation among God's people. A desperation for Jesus. We don't hunger and thirst for Jesus like we're going to die without him. Because our 401ks are funded. We have job security. We have a house and a car, and we haven't worried where our next meal is going to come from. And you say, well, yeah, I'm saved, right? And, and you've given your heart to Jesus, and I get that. And I'm not questioning your walk with the Lord in regards to will you make it to heaven. But there are Christians that are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit even, and they're still not happy. They've got the job, they got the girl, they got the raise, they got the home, they finished school, whatever it is that they were pursuing, and they're still not happy. Are they saved? Yes, that's up to God. We understand it's by His grace and His grace alone. But you can't, what I want you to know is you can't just stop at salvation. Because salvation represents an emptying of our stomach when we're sick with the flu, or with food poisoning. And you can't empty your stomach and never eat again. We need to live these beatitudes. And this beatitude talks about pursuing a happiness, a blessed life, and we need to hunger and thirst after Jesus. Now, why did Jesus use this analogy? Why do you think he did that? I believe because hunger and thirst are matters of life and death. That's the truth. The key is if you don't hunger and thirst after Jesus, righteousness, after righteousness, you are spiritually dead. Hunger and thirst like you're going to die without Jesus. You say, well, what about the rules, right? Listen, it's not about the rules. It's about Jesus. 
John 6, 35 says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never thirst again. And that the next chapter over, John 7, 37 says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, this is Jesus, and drink. It's Jesus who we should be desiring. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 42. I love this perspective, the Old Testament perspective. Psalm 42, verse 1 says this, and you know this probably if you've been kind of grown up in church, but this is a great verse. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. I'm coming after you, God, like a deer is looking, searching for water. Then in verse 2 it says, My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, where can I go and meet with God? That is the type of hunger and thirst that we need. Our righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. That's the point when you read all of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And, you, and you, we, we say that, and we, we kind of have this, uh, man, this mentality of the Pharisees that they're, they're a group of fake leaders, they're kind of religious, stuck up, they're hypocritical. But in the day when Jesus spoke those words, the Sermon on the Mount, the Pharisees were those that were revered. They were the ones following all the rules. And Jesus says, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. That's impossible. They were doing everything right. And then the verse not only says, it, does, it not only says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. At the end of that verse, it says, for they will be filled. Turn to your neighbor and say, they'll be filled. And you say, what in the world does that mean? Well, that word means that they'll be blessed that they'll be satisfied, that they'll be happy, that they will not be disappointed. They will not be disappointed. Now, some of you know that I like to buy and sell things, and I will list things on eBay or on Craigslist, and one of my go-to phrases is, uh, thanks for looking, thanks for bidding, if it's on eBay, and I always write in a little phrase, you will not be disappointed. I know some of you sell some things, and I'm wondering if you've ever, you know, presented a piece of furniture and say, oh, man, you're not going to be disappointed with this piece of furniture, or you're not going to be disappointed with this car or with this watch or whatever you might be selling. I am guilty of that, and I think, and I was thinking this week as I was just kind of meditating on, the, uh, on this passage and the, that last little phrase that they will be filled, they will be satisfied, they will not be disappointed if you hunger and thirst for Jesus. And I'm thinking when I say whatever I'm selling that you're not going to be disappointed, how foolish, how temporal is that thinking? That something I could sell some kind of stuff, the things of this world, would, that it would somehow satisfy, that it would not disappoint. Well, the truth is, is that the things of this world, you put in there whatever you're into, whatever your hobby is, whatever your interests are, the things of this world, the thing that you're desiring, it will never satisfy. 
Never. And that's the trick of the enemy. The world, all that the world has to offer. The world says, oh, you should pursue being in shape. And if you pursue that and you get in shape, you will be satisfied. The world says you should pursue being uh, uh, popular. And uh, going back to school this week, we talked about that with our son. And, and it, it was interesting, some of the, the thoughts, like, you know, the importance of being liked or being, you know, uh, popular. And we, we had a little discussion about that. The, the importance of fitting in or the importance of your hobby, or the importance of your friends, or the pursuit of a career, or success in general. These are things that we as Americans hunger and thirst for as human beings. We, we have a desire to get an education, or maybe it's that retirement goal. We're, we're, we're shooting for that age or that amount in the bank. And the biggest trick, the ultimate deception, is to, to be pursuing religion in the rules or the laws or, you know, marking off a list of things that we should do right behavior. Because all that the world offers, according to God's word and according to my, my testimony and yours as well, you know this. Everything that the world offers will leave you malnourished. It will leave you with a lack of nutrition spiritually. The world will leave you and me unhappy. It's just the truth. And so the question is, well, what do we do with that? And I know this might seem cliche, but I really believe this passionately. And I've, it, I've been studying this for several weeks because I thought I was going to preach last week and ended up not preaching. So I've been, this has been mulling over my mind over and over. This is the key, that we need to trade the world for Jesus. We need to trade the world for his righteousness. That we would have one desire, it would be Jesus. And it wouldn't be shared in any way. And this is kind of the truth that was kind of in my heart, that if we could take care of our hunger and thirst for righteousness, that God would take care of the holy. We'll come back to that. You say, well, what about the rules? What about the law? What about right acting? What about being holy? And the answer, I believe, that the Lord dropped in my heart is if you take care of the hungry, hungry for the Lord, Holy will be a byproduct. This is huge. It's huge for me. The problem is we get saved and then we never progress. And the truth is, is if you get saved and never hunger and thirst for more of Jesus, you will not be satisfied. And the truth is you need to trade the world for Jesus. That's what God is calling us. Holy is God's job. Right behavior, that, that's all God's job. Hungry for Jesus, that is our job. Isn't that freeing? Holy is God's job. Hungry is our job. Let's pray. In the worship team, you can join me. Lord, I pray that over the next few moments, that you would just capture our hearts and our minds. That this small phrase 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. I pray that in a week from now, in a year from now, 10 years from now, we would come back to the, these next moments where we have decide, draw a line in the sand, that we will trade the world for Jesus. God, I pray that that mantra, that, that little phrase would, would just inspire us to live for Jesus. That nothing else would matter. And God, I pray that you would be with us as we come to your table, the communion table, the Lord's Supper, with these thoughts in mind. We pray this in Jesus' name. If I could get your eyes on me here just for a moment. That verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The truth is, is that the world gives us a whole lot to be thirsty for. And when you choose the wrong things to be thirsty for, you will never be satisfied. And the truth is, is that hell, separation from God for eternity, is a place of unending hunger and thirst. You read about it in Revelation. They're longing for even just a drop of water. They're begging for that. That's scary. We can't even get our minds around that here in West Michigan because we don't really ever get to a point where we're hungry, really, thirsty, desperate. But you and I know that when we slow down, there's nothing inside of us that can save us on our own. There's nothing inside of us that is good enough to get us to heaven. The Bible says that for all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, yes, that is my story, I get that, and you have not received Christ as your Savior, we want to offer you a, the free gift of salvation. It's, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What happens is God clothes us with righteousness. So when He looks at you, yes, you've done all kinds of things wrong, and the list might be a mile long, just like mine, my list of my sins. But when God sees me, he sees me as righteous. We don't deserve it, but it's the free gift of salvation. And this morning, if you're here and you're in a state where you're saying, man, I need that, I'm going to pray a prayer. And this prayer can be your prayer. And I'm going to encourage you to just say it with me, agree with me, and believe that God is going to save you in this moment. Let's pray. Lord, I pray right now that you would forgive me of all my sin, that you would cleanse me from all unrighteousness according to your scripture. I confess that I've done things wrong, that, that Jesus, I've, I've made mistakes in my life. No one's denying that. I'm lost. I'm broken. I need you. 
Jesus, would you save me? Would you fill me? Would you take away my sin? Would you make me holy? I know I don't deserve it. But Lord, according to your word, that's what you offer. And so I'm stepping into your forgiveness this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, if you're saying, man, that's my prayer. I need the Lord to save me. The Lord has just saved me. Would you just slip up your hand? We want to celebrate. Just believe with God and uh, we want to walk with you and I want to make a connection with you. Um, Anybody at all? Maybe for the first time you're saying, man, I'm coming back to the Lord. I just realize I I need that. Anyone at all, just slip up your hand. It's not going to embarrass you. It's not going to call you out. Okay. All right. All right, let's move on. We're about to receive at the Lord's Supper. And we're going to explain how we want to do this. We want to do it in a little different way. We've left some room in the service to do this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then it says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. We'll talk about that in a second. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and are sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Talking about dead spiritually and even those that were dying there. Too much to get into there, but very interesting. It says, but if we are we're more discerning with regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Now, Paul there was addressing some abuse within the, within the church, and uh, there's some history there. But I want us to kind of run those thoughts through the thoughts that we've kind of had this morning in regards to hungering and thirsting for Jesus. And the idea that my first illustration that we need to get the sickness out, get the poisoned food out, to get the sin, our habits out, the stuff that the the we need to confess our sins, kind of the progression of the Beatitudes is that we're poor in spirit, that we mourn over our lostness. And this morning, we need to get it out. And if you're here this morning, before we receive of the Lord's Supper, you may be in that state where you're saying, man, I need to get it out. I need to deal with some sin. And my guess is we could probably all think of something. There's another component that I'd like us to consider as well. That we would not only get rid of the sin, but we would make a conscious decision 
a conscious choice to trade the world for Jesus. That our pursuit of happy, that we would lay aside whatever is being offered to us from the world, whatever you're consumed with, whatever you're excited about other than Jesus, that he would lay that thing aside. That it it would become less. So if that's popularity or friends or your hobby, whatever your obsession, according to God's law uh, as a whole, and those things are important. Or maybe it's the career or success. We're, we're going to trade that. And when, when we partake of the cup we're, and we're going to receive Jesus, that we're making a conscious choice to trade something in our lives that kind of captures our mind, captures our heart. We're going to lay that down and we're going to pick up Jesus and Jesus will be our focus. So this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like everyone to stand here for a moment. And we're going to, when you can think of something in this world, maybe it's the sin in your life, that's great. And I definitely encourage you to cleanse your heart from that. But if it's not sin this morning, is there something else in this world that is capturing your attention that you could trade in for Jesus? That you'd pursue. You say, man, I'm going to pursue Jesus. When you have that in your mind, I'm going to ask that at that point that you would slip out from where you are. Come grab the elements. We have a double cup system. If you're new with us, you take both cups and then it separates. There's the bread and then the then the or the body and the blood, and then make your way back to your seat, and we will we will partake together. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would just be with us now. Reveal to us areas of our lives that we could make a conscious choice to trade the happiness that the world would offer, and we'd pick you up instead, whether that's laying our sin down or the things that just capture our hearts in general. Lord, we thank you moving here. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Move when you've thought of something. You can release and pick up Jesus. Awesome. Hallelujah. As you hold the body of Christ, the representation, I want you just in your own way, under your breath, or even out loud, is fine. I want you to tell the Lord what you're going to trade for him. Lord, I trade my anger, my pride, my sinful behavior. I trade my pursuit to be popular, to be successful. I trade it all for you. I lay it down. Take of the bread together. Hallelujah. And Lord, the reason we're made righteous is because of what you did on the cross. The reason we can pursue you and you can satisfy of the blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your blood. Let's partake of the Lord's meal. Thank you, Lord. 
quick verses in this moment, this holy moment, and you can pass the uh, cups to the aisle, and the ushers will grab those. I read this verse earlier, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2 says, As a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Could that be your story this week, this month, this year? My soul thirsts for God. For 3, verse 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and in a parched land where there is no water. The only thing that will satisfy is Jesus. And I want to remind you as well, one last scripture, Philippians 3, verse 10. Paul says, For I long to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. It was a desire in Paul's life, and there should be a desire in our lives to know Jesus more and more. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand these things, to pursue you, to trade the world, and be passionate about hungering and thirsting for you, Jesus. I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us, and give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Go in the grace of God this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.